Jeremiah 29, 7, the prophet says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon to which I have carried you into exile. Why? Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In other words, don't just point out everything that's wrong in the world. Be a beacon of truth. We are to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. We're not only called to preach the truth, we're called to live the truth. Welcome to the Heartland Free Sermon Podcast. We're so happy to have you. If you're a first-time listener and you'd like to get to know more about us as a church, click the link in the podcast description. And if you'd like to fill out our online connection card, you can do that there as well. Thanks for joining us, and let's get into a fantastic message. Greg and Janet Parshall were living a great life in Wisconsin 1994. Craig was a lawyer, enjoying his work. Janet was a stay-at-home mom to their four children. And then one day, their fifth-grade daughter, Sarah, came home from school with a troubling assignment. Sarah was instructed to write about who she would live with if her parents got divorced. And she was also asked whether she wet the bed or bit her nails, okay? So Janet made an appointment to talk with the school administrators about their concerns. When they arrived for the meeting, they faced a table full of school officials who treated them like they were on trial. Now, I want to just say here, uh, Sue and I, when our girls were going through Annandale School District, we went with school officials many times and were received very positively and had some wonderful interactions. And we can be praying for all of our public school uh, teachers and administrators right now because the battle is fierce and there is an evil movement that we have to combat against. But anyway, this was Janet's experience. One of the school officials asked Janet whether she was opposed to secular humanism. And that was an aha moment for her. They think we're a couple of right-wing fanatics, she thought to herself. And so she asked him, sir, could you tell me what secular humanism is? The man awkwardly cleared his throat a couple times, said he didn't know. So Janet replied, well, sir, if you don't know, what difference does it make whether I'm for it or against it? Now, looking back now, that was the moment, the signature moment, Janet Parshall says, that changed everything for her. Her eyes were opened, and she saw the intensity of the spiritual battle in the, for the souls of our kids and kids everywhere. At home, the Parshall dinner table became a nightly forum for family discussions what did you learn at school that day? And let's talk about it. It was also during this time that Janet totally immersed herself in the Word of God with a particular interest 
in defending our faith from any false ideologies. And there's a ton of them out there. She could also see that most Christian parents were unprepared. Unprepared for any serious discussions about the Bible with their kids. And she was determined to do something about it. So over the next few years, God opened doors for a radio career for Janet. You can listen to her daily in the market with Janet Parshall. She's on more than 700 stations. 91.5 carries her at 4 p.m. Uh, every day during the week. Janet hits every issue head on. Whether the topic is abortion or marriage or evolution or feminism, Today she is 73 years old, you'd never know it. She's as sharp and vigorous as she's ever been. Now the title of my sermon is One Gutsy Woman. And man, does Janet Partial fit that title. She's right up there with other female heroes of mine. Uh, Michelle Bachman, I mentioned last week, Jan Markell of all the tree ministries here in the city, Elisa Childers, my favorite pod podcast that I listen to weekly, Nancy Piercy, a wonderful author that I read just virtually everything she writes. Throughout the Bible, God periodically raises up female leaders who impact the world in powerful ways. And one of those female leaders is Deborah, whose story is told in Judges 4 and 5. Of the 12 judges who ruled Israel, she's the only woman, but her legacy reverberates down to our present day. Deborah's name comes from the Hebrew word debar, which means to speak. True to her name, Deborah was a master communicator. She fulfilled three roles as God's leader over Israel at a very perilous time. Her first role was that of a prophetess. Judges 4.1 says, After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin king of Canaan. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. Deborah was a prophetess. A prophetess is literally a female prophet. The Hebrew word for prophet is nabi, the word for prophetess is Nabi'ah. A prophetess is a woman who speaks for God or represents God before her people. Janet Parshall is a modern-day version of a prophetess. One article I read about her describes her as the golden voice behind the microphone. And how true that is. Janet has spoken all over the country, appeared on numerous talk shows, starting with CBN, then Crossfire, Nightline, Larry King Live. She's funny, she's quick-witted, and she's an excellent debater. And she loves Jesus with all her heart. 
Her number one topic is what drew her into the public sphere to begin with, the impact of our culture on our children. Janet puts it like this, the word of God says one thing and the world tells them something else. To see that assault that attacks on their heart has been very difficult. Here's where we see the mama bear side of Janet. She says of her own kids, quote, I wanted to put myself in harm's way to stop the slings and arrows of the enemy from piercing their hearts with these hellish perspectives, unquote. Ladies, we need mama bears. We need mama bears. The church of Jesus Christ needs you today like never before. We need an army of prophetesses who will go to battle on behalf of our kids and our grandkids and our neighbor's kids and our neighbor's grandkids. We need ladies who will effectively teach and advocate in the home and in the church and in every avenue of the public sphere. We also need to be clear about what the Bible teaches regarding men and women, the roles each of them have. In the Old Testament, Israel, there were three main leadership offices. There were prophets, there were priests, and there were kings, the political leaders of the country. Some women were prophetesses, like Deborah, like Miriam in Exodus 15, like Huldah in 2 Kings 22. Some women were queens and judges that functioned as the head of state, like Deborah. Wasn't real common, but it did happen. But the role of priest, interestingly, was always reserved for men, according to Numbers chapter 3 and Leviticus chapter 21. The priests were always men who were descendants of Aaron. Something very similar happens in the New Testament. You have prophetesses, you have female teachers and speakers, the four daughters of Philip in Acts 21. You also have deaconesses mentioned in 1 Timothy 3, Romans 16, and other places. But the role of elder is always reserved for men. Throughout the Bible, men and women are equal in the eyes of God. According to Genesis 1.27, we're both made in his image. We bear his character. But we do have different roles. And that's a good thing. It's a blessing from God. In the home, moms and dads have different roles. At Heartland, we have male elders. They govern the church. They have authority over the teaching and preaching and decision-making of all of the pastors and staff and anyone who serves in the church. We don't have male elders because men are superior, because they're not. We simply do this in obedience to God's word. My mom was a strong mom. She had a lion personality. She was a dominant D on the DISC scale, D-I-S-C, if you are familiar with that. My dad died at 45. 
My mom ran our family bus business for the next 20 years. She negotiated contracts. She hired and fired employees. She worked hard to put her kids through college. At the same time, she mastered the scriptures. She was a marvelous Bible teacher, and she never backed down from defending the word of God. She was a mama bear. She was tough, but gentle. Always a lady, always respectful of male pastors and elders. Over time, her views became my views. Believe me, I came out of seminary very confused, all of these different views and the role of women in the church, but her views became my views because they are thoroughly grounded in Scripture. My mom taught me, you can be a strong woman, a capable speaker, a defender of the faith, and you can still be a lady at the same time. I see that in Janet Parshall. I see that in Michelle Bachman. I see that in Elisa Childers. I see that in Jan Markell. And I saw that in Mom. Ladies, we need teachers and speakers and defenders of the faith like never before. I praise God that we have many mama bears here at Heartland. Praise God. Thank you for using your gifts to serve the Lord. Now let's move to the second role that Deborah fulfilled, and that is her role as a judge. Verse 4 says, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their dispute settled. The New International Version says that Deborah was leading Israel. The Hebrew word is shafat, and it means to govern, to decide controversies, to execute justice, to vindicate, to, uh, to vindicate the innocent, and to punish the guilty. Verse 5 says, Deborah held court. This was an actual outdoor courtroom where the Israelites would come to have their disputes settled. In this way, Deborah was unique among the 12 judges. She actually did what we would expect a judge to do. She settled a variety of social and legal and relational cases. Whereas the other judges led Israel into battle, Deborah led them into wisdom. She led them into godly character. She counseled with people. She helped them to determine what is right and what is wrong. Can I ask you today, would you consider yourself a wise person? The Bible teaches that there are two types of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6 says that there is a wisdom of this age, which is of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. That's one kind of wisdom, the kind of wisdom you will get at a secular university. It is of some value in this age. 
but it is of no eternal value. Now there's another kind of wisdom. What 1 Corinthians 2.7 describes as God's secret wisdom. A wisdom that has been hidden. It was hidden in the Old Testament. And God destined for our glory, the Messiah would come. He destined that even before time began. Verse 8 goes on to say, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified Christ, the Lord of glory. God's secret wisdom is found in God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's the kind of wisdom that Janet Parshall offers in a book that she wrote, she co-wrote this with her oldest daughter, Sarah. It's called, When the Fairy Dust Settles. The subtitle is, A Mother and Her Daughter Discuss What Really Matters. Much of the book deals with issues that every young girl wrestles with. The world has one version of what beauty is, doesn't it? God has another version that beauty's more than skin deep. Together, Janet and Sarah, they work through these issues, such as body image, and self-worth, and dating, and purity, and sexuality, and how to handle disappointments, and setbacks, and mistakes. In other words, the book is about living wisely, according to God not according to man. One of the issues they discuss in detail is about balancing motherhood and career. It's, a hard, it's, it's hard to do that. Janet was a school teacher. She stepped away from teaching to raise her family. In fact, it wasn't until her youngest was in the sixth grade that she started to do radio. She waited again till he was a senior in high school before she started traveling and speaking. I've heard her speak up in St. Cloud. Very good speaker. Janet says, quote, moments of motherhood are fleeting. There's a whole world beyond the sixth grade. Wait on your career. Enjoy your kids while you can because you never get those years back. Moms, you are irreplaceable. So are you dads. We in the church, we can come alongside you, but we can never replace you. We can never replace that one-on-one -on -one intentional discipleship that a child should receive from their parents. Janet's daughter, Sarah, described what this looked like for her and her three siblings. You see, they were not only taught what they believed, but they were taught why we believe this. And they were taught how to be courageous in their faith, how to stand alone if they need to, 
I found it very interesting that all four of the partial kids were politically active while they were still teenagers. In the Bible, good judgment is all about carefully evaluating information in order to discern the wisest course of action. Parents, this is what God calls us to do as we work with our kids. Deborah is a good role model for us, which really comes out as you read Judges chapter 5. Janet Parshall is a good modern-day role model for us. Tune into her radio show, radio show, See for Yourself, weekdays, 4 p.m., 91.5. She calls her radio show In the Market with Janet Parshall because that's exactly what she's doing. She teaches all of us how to live as Christians in the marketplace of our daily lives. What I love about Janet is she has a good baloney meter. <laughs> So much of what the world thinks is wisdom is actually just baloney. And she isn't afraid to say so. She also isn't afraid to call Christians to boldly let your lights shine for Christ. About 10 years ago, Janet wrote the book, Buyer Beware, Finding Truth in the Marketplace of Ideas. You see, we not only need to oppose falsehood, we need to proclaim truth. She bases her book on the words of the prophet Jeremiah, who encouraged the Israelites to be a witness to their enemies who were taking them into captivity in Babylon. Jeremiah 29, 7, the prophet says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon, to which I have carried you into exile. Why? Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. In other words, don't just point out everything that's wrong in the world. Be a beacon of truth. We are to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. We're not only called to preach the truth, we're called to live the truth. I don't know how many times I've written an email, written, and then I'll read it over before I send it, and I'll think to myself, that's not a very kind email. <laughs> that's not a gentle email. Uh, that's sharp. It's accusatory. And I'll go back and tweak it because the Lord reminds me the fruit of the Spirit is things like gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's the way that Deborah conducted herself. She was not only a wise judge who preached the truth, she lived it out in her daily life by being an inspirational example for her people. Let's move to the third role that Deborah fulfilled. Folks, she was also a warrior. When duty calls, Deborah's ready. She answers the call. She rises to the occasion. Verse 6 says she sent for Barak. 
She said to him, Barak, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you, go and take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulon and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and I will give him into your hands. Barak said to her, Deborah, if you, won't, if you go with me, I'll go. You don't go with me, I'm not going. God called Deborah to teach and to judge. God called Barak to fight. But Barak wouldn't go unless Deborah went with him. Now, you can take that in two ways. Either Barak is a coward or he's cautious. Either he refuses to go because he's afraid or he refuses to go because he's smart. And he says to himself, I'd have to be a fool not to bring Deborah with me because God is obviously with her. Now, I believe Barak refuses to go because he's smart. And I say that because of the way Barak is presented as a hero in Hebrews eleven thirty two. The verse says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. So according to this passage, Barak is not a coward. We also know that because Judges 4.14 says, so Barak went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and his army by the sword. In terms of military strategy, Barak was committing suicide. 900 chariots could cut through foot soldiers like a hot knife through butter. 900 chariots would defeat 10,000 men every time. This was well known in the ancient world, but still, Barak fights anyway. And so does Deborah. In a day and age where women were kept far from the battlefield, Deborah runs toward danger, not away from it. Make no mistake about it, she was one gutsy woman. So is Janet Parshall. So is Michelle Bachman. So is Elisa Childers. So is Jan Markell. <laughs> Jan likes to call herself a watchman on the wall which comes from Isaiah 62.6. The Hebrew word for watchman is shamar, which means one who protects and guards and sounds the alarm when danger is near. It's often translated as watchman because this was typically the role of a man. But there is nothing in Scripture that restricts this to a man. Jesus commands all of us, men and women, boys and girls, to keep watch for we do not know when our Lord will return. 
Matthew 24, 42. Next February, Jan Markell will turn 80 years old. But you'd never know it. She is as vigorous and mentally sharp as anyone in the prime of her life. And isn't that just like the Lord to raise up an 80-year-old Jewish woman who has been single her entire life and she is playing a prominent role in guarding the church of Jesus Christ against internal heresy and external attack. Now, Jan, when you read her life story, she's been swimming against the tide her entire life. She grew up in a home with an Orthodox Jewish father. Can you imagine that? And still, she went with some Christian neighbors to hear an evangelist. I'm sure he didn't like that. When she was 11 years old, and she gave her heart to Christ that night. And as a teenager, she was drawn to the prophecies in the Bible about Israel. And those sparks, they were fanned into a flame. She visited Israel at the age of 30. For two years, she worked for Jews for Jesus. And then she launched Olive Tree Ministries, 1982. For the next 20 years, it was just Jan and her guitar traveling around, speaking to tiny churches until she started a radio program on a single local station. As Jan start, says it, she says, I started all over in my late 50s. And then everything just took off like a rocket. Today, Jan is on a thousand radio stations and courageously standing for truth, no matter what the devil throws at her. Mama bear. I close with this. Today, God may be calling you. Are you ready to answer his call? Don't ever say, I'm just a kid. Samuel was a young boy when God called him in 1 Samuel 3. Don't ever say, well, I'm just a teenager. Daniel and his friends were teenagers when God called them in Daniel chapter 1. Never, and, and remember that some of the disciples, when Jesus called them, they were teenagers. And he called them to be fishers of men. Don't ever say, I'm too old. The Apostle John was pushing 100 when he wrote the book of Revelation. His most impactful ministry was in his older years. Just like Jan Markell today, just like 84-year-old John MacArthur, 82-year-old David Mar Jeremiah, both of them would say that their most effective ministry has been when they were over 60 years old. Chuck Swindoll will be 90 next year, still going strong. Talked to someone recently going on a cruise to Alaska. Chuck was going to be speaking. Don't ever say, I've got too many skeletons in the closet. 
man, those rascals opened my closet, there they are. The apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners. I'm not just a sinner, I'm the worst one. 1 Timothy 1.15. In his younger years, Paul not only opposed Christians, he, he persecuted them. He cheered on his friends as they stoned Stephen in the book of Acts. The apostle Paul never felt he was worthy of the role that God called him to. But God used him to take the gospel to the far corners of the Roman Empire. Don't ever say, I'm an outsider. I'm a minority. I'm an immigrant. I'm a foreigner. Read Matthew chapter 1. Four women appear in the genealogy of Christ. And they were all outcasts. Tamar, a Canaanite. Rahab, a prostitute. Ruth, an Edomite. Bathsheba, an adulterer. Don't ever say, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not clever enough. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Don't ever say, I can't talk. <laughs> I fumble with my words. That was what Moses said when God called him to talk to Pharaoh. <laughs> he said, not me. Kind of looked both ways. Not me, God. Exodus 4.10, he said to the Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. I'm slow of speech and tongue. You know what the Lord said to him? The Lord said, Moses, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Moses, now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. You know what Moses said? He said, oh, Lord, please send someone else. You know what the Lord replied? Exodus 4.14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. God did agree to send Aaron along with him, but clearly God was not pleased with Moses' reluctance. You see, the fact is, God loves to work in unusual ways, and he often chooses the least likely person to do the job, like Noah here, 600 years old when he finished the ark. Of course, he had three sons to help, but only three, to build the largest seagoing vessel in history until the 1800s. You see, what God is looking for is men and women and boys and girls with willing hearts. He's looking for people who will step out in faith. Are you willing to answer the call when God comes knocking? 